Sorry, it's not 10.30 yet. <laughs> now it's 10.30. <laughs> See, if I say anything at all before the stream turns on and gets all lit up, then I get messages from my mom. <laughs> we couldn't hear what you were saying. What was going on? Because... Good morning. How are you? We are glad that you are here this morning. If you would stand with me, our first song this morning is just, it's a reminder of our constant need to be out and about the business of God when it comes to the saving of souls, when it comes to living the life the way God would have us live so that we can draw all people unto him. So this is a good reminder, facing the task unfinished. If you're unfamiliar with the song, the lyrics, it's okay because the tune is um, the church is one foundation. I've got too many. Yeah, there's so much going on up there. Church is one foundation. We should all be good.
as Miss Judy comes for our announcements this morning. March the 8th, 
6.30 to 8. And we encourage you, if you're a mom, come and listen to the panel of moms that are doing it, been there. Uh, we'll have a great dinner together. Just a great time of conversation and fellowship. We just encourage you to sign up for that. That's also into your bulletin. You can also check both of those out on the church website. I encourage you guys to have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.
Easter is a special day. Our daughter, Anna, is going to be moving to Atlanta this week coming because she's working for Chick-fil-A and has been hired in their corporate office. <laughs> and they won't fly her down every weekend to play for us, <laughs> much to my chagrin. However, this has been a long time waiting and she's been working a lot of years. But uh, I just, I think part of it is I want to honor her with thanks. But I also want to give you a heads up when you see a violin missing, it's not because I got her mad <laughs> or chased her off. That it's just, it's just a part. So this next song is called Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. It's based on the prayer of St. Patrick. And you'll see that slide. I have the the words to that prayer on the slide, because the introduction is a little long. But it will give you something to see how it's based and also something you can focus on um, and will direct you back to the Lord as well. Please stand, please. The indwelling Holy Spirit calls to our souls in the early morning to turn our thoughts toward Him and away from the anxieties, fears, stresses, the to-do lists of our weak and broken know-it-all flesh. Love enough to cover 
Lord, you are our King. We are your servants. We serve at your pleasure for your purpose. Unfold your fullness in our lives today. Live through us. Love through us. Your church for your honor and glory. Amen.
Will you share that praise with someone this morning? It's a good time. Maybe meet someone that you don't know. Welcome our visitors here. Make sure that they feel welcome. Take a moment to do that now, if you would, please. Good morning. We are so, so glad you're here. As you may be aware, we had uh, Say Yes Weekend the last two weekends, and um, we signed up 280 volunteers during that time, which is fantastic. And I don't know if you're aware, but um, we did the same Say Yes Weekend uh, back in July, so it's been less than a year, and in July we signed up 221 folks, so in less than a year we signed up 500 new volunteers, so that's just fantastic. And we thank you all so, so much. Um, <clears throat> now we have a congregation meeting today, I know we've already talked about that a little bit. We have a, um, we'll be going over the financial information from the end of the year, so if you're all interested in that, that would be the place to come and get all your questions answered. Also, so if you're into um, making financial contributions, we have several different ways to do that. The first being the digital connect. If you type connect, uh, 904-441-6900, there's a button on there. You can push that and you can give right there, right there on your phone. Um, also, we have some uh, offering boxes right out here in this atrium right here and we in the vestibule out here. And then we have some in the atrium and uh, we'd be more than happy to uh, Take your contributions that way, and we truly, truly appreciate everything that we get. And so um, with that, we just want to pray for our offering time. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Father, we, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace and your love, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Father, and to worship. Father, we thank you for the, the many, many volunteers, Father, who give their time and their effort and their talents, Father. Father, we thank you for all those who who give financially, Father, and, and give faithfully, Father. Father, we just um, ask you, as we go through this time of worship, Father, that you would just take everything that we have and use it for your kingdom, Father. Father, we just ask that you would, um, you would just bless us this coming week. Father, we just ask that you keep us firmly within the center of your will. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Good morning. Well, it's good to see all of you here today. um, If you are a guest with us today, just want you to know this is a historic year for Anastasia. 2024 is that year that we are claiming the vision. We've, We've been dreaming for years and years about updated space for our preschool children and youth ministry. Uh, We're going to be opening up a rec center. Uh, in the next couple of months and start sports ministry. So all that construction going on in the back. And we've been planning for years and years and dreaming and praying. And this is the year we're going to move into those facilities. Praise God. 
Praise God. Praise God. And I told you, 2024, it's the year we're claiming the vision. I told you that are regular, I'll keep you up to date. One of our goals is that we have to uh, raise another, um, get up to $8.7 million in, in uh, total contributions by the end of this year to reach our goal, $8.7 million. I want you to see where we are right now. And so we're going to show that slide. Right now, we've received $7.15 million in contributions since the beginning. Praise God. We are well on our way. About 1.55 million, a little bit less than that, is where we have to go by the end of the year. This will keep us from having to refinance. Right now, we got a really nice interest rate at 4.19%. If we have to refinance it, we have to refinance the rest of it at the higher interest rate. So we're going to shoot for that goal. And thank you for every contribution that you're making, large or small, it's getting us there. And uh, very soon you'll be able to see some of those results as we move into the rec center in just a few months. Um, also want you to know that uh, I have asked and asked and they have, the building steering committee has been so gracious. We're going to have an open house in that construction site on Palm Sunday. So on Palm Sunday, make sure that you're here. Uh, we're going to have an open house. Just open up as much of that area as they will let us open up. Uh, we're working with a construction company. Roy Jones is our building steering committee chairperson. We'll try to have people out there so you can see. We'll have markers where if you want to pray and, and put some prayer requests on the floor, you can paint on some of the walls that aren't painted, some of them. We'll tell you what. Uh, if something looks like it's finished, don't paint on it, please. Don't write on it. Um, but uh, you'll have that time. We'll try to open up for a good number of hours. We won't be going through in a group. We'll just have it open all Sunday morning in case you wanted to walk through, and we'll try to get as much of that open. So doesn't that sound exciting? Yeah, we're coming, we're coming close to claiming that vision. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we'll have that $8.7 million by the end of the year, and then we'll only owe another $8 million. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> okay, let's, let's open the Bible. I want to open up the Bible. Let's, let's hear what the Word of God says to us again. Titus chapter 3. Uh, since New Year, we've been going through the book of Titus. Titus, we're in Titus chapter 3, and we've been exploring that very special relationship between God's grace and Christian character. And, you know, as I'm looking uh, through the books of the Bible, you know, I talk about Galatians, and Galatians, I always think, that, that tells me that, that salvation is by faith alone. If I'm looking at the book of James, it talks about the relationship between faith and, and um, our works. And as I'm looking at the book of Titus, Titus reminds us that there's a relationship, because we're saved, that we should have a good character, that we should be different because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what Titus teaches us. You know, because, because I have Jesus in my life, my heart has changed, uh, my actions are different, I'm transformed. You're transformed when Jesus Christ is in you, amen? amen. You are transformed, okay? We have this mission statement. Our mission statement says we're helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is in our lives is life-changing. It makes a difference. We are transformed. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Because we have Jesus in us, we are church. Isn't that great? I love that. I'm a member of the Rotary Club. 
It's a great organization. And I don't want to say anything bad about Rotarians, okay? But church, we're better than the Rotary Club. Aren't we way better than that? Because we're the body of Christ and we're salt and we're light. And, you know, uh, and, and that makes a difference in us. And because of that, we should live better. We should have more peace, more joy, uh, more attention to that which is holy and pure and good and noble. We should have more of all of that because we have Jesus in our hearts. It should really make a difference. That's who we are in Christ. So, you know, as we come close to the final words in the book of Titus, and we're almost there. This is the second to last message in Titus. Uh, we're coming close to those very final words that Paul's trying to convey. Um, and by the way, if you have ADHD and you can't hang on to a full message and you're going to fall asleep in the next few minutes, here's what I want to say basically. Be bold and be careful. Be bold and be careful, okay? You can fall asleep now. You can do whatever you got to do. <laughs> But that's the big takeaway from this message. Be bold and be careful. You know, and we, got, we can be bold because you're on the Super Bowl of the universe winning team. So you can be bold. You can hold your head high. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and Christ is the victor. He is the one that is going to be Lord, that is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. You know, we're on the winning team. So I can be bold. But also, I need to be careful because I represent the winning team. And that's what we need to remember. So uh, that's what I want to share with us today. And I invite you to stand with me as I look at verses 8 through 11 in Titus chapter 3. This is what the Word of God says. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Paul doesn't mince words, does he? Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to receive these words, Lord, and help us to be careful in our lives, Lord. Help our character uh, to be one that really shows your truth in a powerful way to a world that needs that witness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, you may be seated. I'm really going to focus on verse 8. Verse 8 is where I'm going to hang out in this message. And it starts out by saying this, the saying is trustworthy. Now, what saying is trustworthy? What's he talking about? He's talking about the verses that Pastor Sam spoke about last week. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. That's what he's talking about. That's the saying that's trustworthy. It's, this, this is the theological heart, uh, core, the theological heart of the, uh, of the book of Titus. And those, those verses are so strong and so secure that you can build your life on them. And they're secure because they originate from a completely faithful God. They're coming from God himself. So the first point I want to make is this. Trust God because he is trustworthy. Trust God because God is trustworthy. When we sing praises to the Lord in our worship, 
And we're singing and we're, we're giving that to the Lord. You know, we, we talk about how he's worthy of worship and he's worthy of praise and he's worthy of the blessing and glory and honor. Let me tell you something else he's worthy of. He's worthy of your trust. He's trustworthy. We have an amazing God. We can depend on him. He's trustworthy. You know, I showed you that chart up there with the amount of money that we, we want to get $1.5 million by the end of this year. And then we have another $8 million. So that makes $9.55 million. And the whole project will be paid off. Okay. Well, I could write a check for $9.55 million. Anastasia, paid to the order of Anastasia Baptist Church, $9.55 million. I can sign my name to that check. That check would not be a trustworthy statement. Now, if it came back and it had a great big red stamp that said insufficient funds, that would be a trustworthy statement. And the reason it's not a trustworthy statement is, is I can't back up that. I can't back up that promise. But the promises that God gives us, he backs them up. He, he can take care of them. Okay, he's, he's worthy of our trust. He, he is so good. You know, um, you know how good he is? One of the first chapters of the Bible I knew how to find in my Bible was Psalm 100. That, and you know why? Because my mom taught me how to find Psalm 100. She said, just take your Bible and open up to the very middle, and you're going to be close to Psalm 100, then find the big numbers till you get to 100. So Psalm 100, that was one of the first ones, first Bible verses that I could find in my Bible. Does anybody relate to that? Can you remember that? That's how I learned Psalm 100. You know, just open the Bible to the very center and try to find it there. And uh, Psalm 100, verse 5 says this. It says, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Do you see how trustworthy he is? His love is steadfast. It endures forever. And his faithfulness, another word for trustworthiness, his faithfulness goes on for how long? All generations. All generations. His love is steadfast. His love endures. He has faithfulness to other generations. We can trust God. There's a reason we entered into a For Generations to Come faith campaign. There's a reason. There's a reason that we're strategizing to reach the next generation that comes and the next generation that comes. And the reason that we are is because God is trustworthy. His faithfulness is enduring to those generations. We want to be a part of what God is doing. So we can trust God because he is, he is trustworthy. Let me go back to those verses, uh, that saying that's trustworthy. Titus 3, verse 4. Let me tell you about, about God and his trustworthiness. It says in, in Titus 3, verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. I can trust God's love and mercy and forgiveness. That's what I can trust about God. He, he has love, his steadfast love, it's loving kindness, his mercy and forgiveness. Um, people struggle with the idea that they can be forgiven. I don't know how many hours I've sat in my office uh, and someone is sitting across from me and they're talking about something that went on in the past and they feel very bad about it and they've asked for repentance and they've, they've tried to do restitution. They try to do all the things they're supposed to do and really have this sense of remorse, but, but for some reason in their heart, they can't believe that God has forgiven them. 
And they spend a lot of energy struggling with the idea that they're not worthy of forgiveness. Do you believe that God will forgive you? Can you trust God that when he says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Can you trust God that he's done that? You can trust his forgiveness. It tells us something else as well. It tells in verse 5 that, uh, that the way he, he saved us is by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When we respond in faith to Jesus Christ, what he does, he puts his Holy Spirit in us. He, the Holy Spirit, he uses that, and, and that Holy Spirit is a seal. It guarantees, it helps us to understand that we're saved, to really feel in our heart that God is with us and that we are saved. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the things that God is calling us to do, and he renews us on a daily basis. And so I would say you can trust God's Holy Spirit renewal and power. Trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust him that, that you are in Christ a new creation and you're no longer enslaved to sin. Do you realize we still sin as Christians, but it's not because we have to. You have the Holy Spirit and you don't have to sin. We just fail. But the Holy Spirit gives the power to overcome sin. And so, you know, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We have the Holy Spirit. You know, you might be called to serve. Maybe you're one of the 280 people that signed up to do something the last two weeks, and you thought, but I don't know if God can use me. I'm sure a lot of people walked by that table and said, you know, they're looking for people, but not people like me. And some of you signed up, and I want you to know, God can use anybody. He can use anybody. Because you see, it's not in your power that God does amazing things. It's in his power. And so when the Lord calls you to serve, you don't have to worry whether in your power you can accomplish great things, because we're not called to accomplish great things. God's going to accomplish great things through us. And we're going to trust in him to do that. So trust in the Holy Spirit and then trust Jesus. Look at verses six and seven, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He poured out the Holy Spirit on us for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, justified simply means declared innocent. You are declared innocent. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We are all sinners by nature and by choice. We sin. We have done that, okay? And you know, those sins should keep us out of heaven. But Jesus Christ justified us. He declared we are innocent. Not because we are, but because he paid the price. So that we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So you can trust Jesus for grace and salvation and eternal life. Life forever with Jesus in heaven. Do you trust Jesus that there's a heaven? Do you trust Jesus that, that, that there's a heaven and by following him and committing to him that you can go to heaven? You can trust that. These are the things that, that Paul is saying, this, this tr saying is trustworthy, that, that there is a heaven for you. Well, the number one core value at Anastasia, we have these core values. The number one core value is this. Jesus is the way. Say that. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to salvation, okay? So trust God because he's trustworthy. Trust God's mercy. Trust his Holy Spirit. Trust Jesus, okay? Just trust him. And then in verse 8, he says, this saying is trustworthy. Okay, we'll go on to the next phrase here. You may be here a while. He says, and I want you to insist on these things. 
I want you to insist on the stuff that's coming up because the saying was trustworthy. I want you to insist on something. I want you to insist, and you're going to find this out in a few minutes, that when you're around other Christians and other people that proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, I want you to insist, I want you to stand up and insist that they actually show Christ in their actions and their words and their deeds. I want you to insist that when we get around as Christians, that we act as Christians and that you, you, you stand up and say that. And we have to be pretty careful because it, it, it's a very fine line between standing up and holding people accountable and then being accused of being judgmental. I mean, that, that's kind of hard to get there. But, but how demanding are you as a Christian? How bold are you in insisting that when you're around other Christians that we act as Christians? That we, that we try to do how to behave like Christians, that we respond as Christians. Let me give you an example. In my lifetime, in my lifetime and in the culture I live in, language has grown tremendously coarser and cruder. And, I mean, just the things that people put on bumper stickers, we were not allowed to say, not allowed to even think. You would never use that language in public. No one would use that language. People putting them on bumper stickers. And some of them, they're putting their very crude language on bumper stickers and because they don't like that political party. And sometimes I see them next to another bumper sticker that says, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm going, what are you doing? What in the world are you thinking? That that kind of crude language belongs in the mouth and heart and mind of a Christian. Think about that. And do we, do we insist that we're going to live, our, live to a higher standard personally? Are you willing to be bold and speak up when the language gets rough in a group and say, you know, we're all Christians. Maybe we don't want to talk this way. You know, where are we that way? Or maybe it goes a different way. How about when the really juicy gossip starts flying? Maybe you have a friend that holds more dirt than a dump truck. And they're backing up and getting ready to unload. <laughs> and you know what's coming out is going to be good. Are you the person that's going to say, well, let me just see what falls out of this? Or are you the person that says, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we need to talk about the weather. It's nice weather we're having today. Because, because we trust in God. And we're a new creation in Christ. Are we really going to be the salt and light of God's influence? Or are we just going to act like the rest of the world? And Paul's saying here, I want you to insist on those, these things, that those who believed in God may be careful. I want you to insist on it. I, you're going to have to stand up and tell them, hey, hey, we need, we need to do a little bit better. And we need to be bold, but also positive. So this is the point. Become a bold, positive influence in the body of Christ. Okay? Because we have to be bold because occasionally all of us fall down. All of us don't live up to that standard. So we have to, in humility, just be very encouraged and positive and try to insist that we're going to be better than that. Because the Bible says that we're supposed to be a light on a hill, not a light hidden under a basket of sinfulness. And we need to be a light on a hill. So stand up and stand out for Jesus. And let's be bold and let's be positively and encouragingly bold. And then in verse 8, it says this. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. You know, if we believe in God, we have to be careful because the world is watching. The world is watching and seeing what followers of Jesus do. They want to know if we really believe what we say we believe or are we just being what the, the term that's very easily uh, labeling is, is hypocrites. 
The world is watching. And this is talking about consistency. And so the point I want to make is this. Be careful in being consistently good. Be careful in being consistently good. Be bold and be careful. You know, it's always good to have a flashlight around. I have this flashlight with me. I keep it in my car. And I always look for two things in a flashlight. The first thing I want to know is, is it bright? Is it going to give me a bright light when I want a bright light? The second thing I want to know is, when I press this button, is it actually going to turn on? Okay? And so I press the button, and and lo and behold, it turns on. Because I want you to know that if I have a flashlight that doesn't have a bright light, it's not a great flashlight. And if I have a flashlight that won't turn on when I want it to turn on, it's no good to me anyway. That's what I want in a flashlight, just that it's bright and it will turn on when I ask it to turn on. Well, you know, there's an analogy in our spiritual life. I want to be boldly bright. I need to be bright in my Christian life that people will recognize that there's a difference in my life. And I want to be consistent. I want people to depend on knowing what my character is because I have Jesus in my heart. I want to be bold and consistent. I want to beat that light. So we're, we're like flashlights of Jesus' power. He's the light of the world, and we're just little flashlights that are spreading that light around. So we need to be bold and bright because the world needs the light of Jesus. The world needs it an awful lot. So we got to be bold, and we got to be consistent. <coughs> and then it says this. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Excellent and profitable. What it's saying for for people, okay? And what it's telling us is that every person is important. That's one of our core values at Anastasia. Every person is important. Every person needs the chance to see Jesus Christ, and I believe every person needs to see Jesus through us. You know... People need to see the character of a church reflecting Jesus Christ. And, you know, do do you believe that every person is important enough to see Jesus through you? I mean, think about where you're going to go to dinner after church service if you're going out to dinner. That person that is waiting on you that maybe has 20 tables and they're not bringing the water fast enough. Does that person, is that person important enough? Important enough? To see Jesus overflowing in you? Are they worth that? Are they worth that? Is that person who's struggling financially and emotionally in whatever way, and and sometimes our patience is wearing thin, that person is important, but that person is important enough to see the grace and mercy of Jesus in you and in me. And so the point I want to make is this. Every person is important enough to see Jesus in us. Every person. That person you don't think you have time for uh, or that person you don't have patience for, Jesus died for that person. So that person is precious in his sight. They are important enough to see Jesus in you because Jesus said, you're the light of the world in Matthew 5. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. If Christ is in you, you can't hide Christ. You shouldn't. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Be bold. Be careful. Let your light shine so the world will see us and our character and glorify the Lord. 
So I just want to say this word to all of us here. As we go out of this place, be bold and be careful because this world needs to see Jesus and every person that we see is important enough to Jesus to see his reflection in us. And then the second thing I want to say is there are some of you in this room um, that struggle with this idea of being forgiven, struggle with this idea that you are worthy of going into heaven. I want to share this as well. You are important enough to go to heaven. You are important enough to be forgiven. Christ died for you. And if you've never received that, and if you don't have the light of Jesus in you right now, you can. And here's how. You just ask the Lord, can I follow you into heaven? Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you are alive at the right hand of the Father. I believe that you have the power, and I'm committing my life to you as my Lord. And I'm trusting in you as my Savior. And the Bible says that if you commit to Jesus as Lord, trust in him as your Savior. You profess him with your mouth. You believe in your heart. Then you're saved. And you get to spend eternity in heaven. That's what he said you could do. This, tr this saying is trustworthy. Because you're important enough to God. If that's you, I pray right now that you're seeing Jesus coming into your heart. I'm praying that you're inviting him in so that you would have that beautiful experience that I've got when I was 10 years old, 52 years ago. I pray you'll be blessed. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I pray right now, if there's someone that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would see the beauty of following you. Lord, that they would see the beauty of having a new life and having sins just washed away. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that someone here that is without hope, Lord, would see the hope that comes from trusting in you. And Lord, that you would show us that that change would be immediate, and continuing and growing for all our lives. Right now, Lord, I pray someone is just asking the Lord, you, Jesus, into their heart. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Saying, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. And Lord, I'm asking for forgiveness and I'm committing my life to you. But I pray that someone is making that simple prayer. And Lord, that they are receiving you and entering into that bliss of life forever with you, starting today, but going into heaven. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as believers in Christ to really show the world what it means to have new life and power in you. Lord, move among us, I pray. In your precious name of Jesus, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. Uh, we're going to have a, a hymn of response. And if you want to come forward and make a decision publicly, perhaps it's a decision to trust in Jesus as your Lord or maybe to be baptized or you want to be a member of the church, just come forward during this song. Or if you want to come up and pray, the altar is open. You come as the Lord leads you.
Father, thank you for the challenge from your word this morning. Help us, Father, to be bold and to be careful. Help us to watch what we do, think, and say. Father, help us to be bold in the things that we should be doing according to your word, primarily sharing our faith with others, letting them see Jesus in us and through us. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen.